Hello everyone, welcome to the Yukon Internal Medicine Ambulatory Podcast Series. In this podcast, we will talk about the screening and diagnosis of depression. We will cover what are the risk factors for depression, the importance of screening for depression in the primary care setting, what are the tools available for screening, the clinical manifestations, and the diagnosis of depression. First, let's discuss what is depression and the risk factors associated with it. Depression, otherwise known as major depressive disorder, is a serious mood disorder. The word depression can be used in multiple and sometimes confusing ways. It is a mood state in which the person can suffer sadness, anxiety, emptiness, hopelessness, tearfulness, or even not having any feelings at all. The person loses interest in activities that normally will bring happiness and joy. Although we can all experience those feelings from time to time, in depression they are severe enough to affect the quality of life of those patients. The list of risk factors for depression is huge and includes but are not limited to stress, traumatic events, recent childbirth, substance use disorders, for example alcohol or tobacco, female sex, personal or family history of depression, chronic medical conditions such as hypertension, diabetes, heart disease, inflammatory conditions. The list goes on and on. Therefore, it is important to try to understand our patients holistically and gather a thorough medical history to identify all the possible factors contributing to clinical depression. Let's move on to the screening of depression in the primary care setting. The annual prevalence of depression is approximately 6% and the lifetime prevalence is 20%. It is a very common condition that has serious impact in those suffering it. The United States Preventative Services Task Force recommends a screening for depression in the general adult population, including pregnant and postpartum women. The goal is to identify depression providing therapeutic options and appropriate follow-up. It is crucial to understand that the screening tells us which patients are at risk for depression, but the confirmation of the diagnosis requires some extra steps. Therefore, we screen patients for depression first and if such screening is positive, we will continue our investigation to confirm if clinical depression is present. There are several tools that can be used for the screening of depression. No tool has shown to be superior to the other. Such tools include the Patient Health Questionnaire, PHQ, which can have two questions for the PHQ-2 or nine questions for the PHQ-9, the Back Depression Inventory for Primary Care is another tool, the hospital anxiety and depression scales in adults, and so many others. You can pick any of your preference. However, using the PHQ-2 is easy since it consists in only two questions. The PHQ-2 questionnaire involves two questions related one, to lost interest or pleasure, and two, feeling down, depressed, or hopeless. A positive result to any of those questions will represent a positive screening. When the screening is positive, we will continue workup by using the PHQ-9 test, which will help us confirm the diagnosis and also estimate the severity of the disorder. The PHQ-9 tool can help us diagnosing depression, but also giving us the severity. And those scores will be as follow. From zero to four equals no depression. 5 to 9 is mild depression, 10 to 14 is moderate depression, 15 to 19 is moderate to severe depression, and 20 to 27 is severe depression. The DSM-5 diagnostic criteria can be summarized by the mnemonic SIGCAPS, 
which represents S for sleep disturbance, I for lack of interest, G for guilt feelings, E for low energy, C for decreased concentration, A for decreased appetite, P for psychomotor agitation or retardation, and S for sociality. If five or more of these features are present for two weeks or more and are affecting the patient's quality of life, the diagnosis of depression can be made. It is important to make sure that these symptoms are not attributable to medical conditions. Therefore, although we know a medical condition can be a risk factor for depression, it can also simulate the symptoms of depression, something that we call pseudodepression. For example, if a patient has unidentified hypothyroidism which is not treated, treatment with thyroid hormone could make those symptoms disappear. Finally, it is crucial to inquire about suicidality in these patients. This will help us to identify if it is safe to treat these patients as outpatients, establish safety plans, or determine if hospitalization or psychiatry consultation is required. Thank you for listening. We will discuss the treatment of depression in our next episode. Please stay safe. Goodbye.